The CBC's official Twitter account said it will be pausing activity on the social media platform after Twitter labeled it a government-funded media outlet. Meanwhile, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has come to the defense of the CBC, accusing Conservative leader Pierre Polyev of attacking, quote, independent media organizations. Alberta NDP leader Rachel Notley had security drag at least two reporters out of her Monday afternoon press conference. Over 150,000 federal workers will call a strike on Wednesday morning if no deal is reached with the federal government by 9 p.m. today. Hello, Canada. It's Tuesday, April 18th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Rachel Emanuel. And I'm Lindsay Shepard. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. day after Twitter identified the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation's primary Twitter account as government-funded media, the official Twitter account of the state broadcaster said it will be, quote, pausing its activity, and, as well, several of the outlet's journalists are also following suit. At least two journalists with the CBC have said they will be departing from Twitter as a result of their employer's decision. Both Christy Rich and Deborah Arbeck announced that they will be pausing their activities on the platform as well. Liberal politicians and legacy media journalists were outraged by Twitter's use of the label, arguing that it was unfair and that the CBC is independent, despite receiving $1.2 billion in taxpayer funding annually via the federal government. On Monday, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau waded into the debate, accusing Pierre Polyev of attacking, quote, independent media organizations, a week after Polyev called on Twitter to apply the label. Here's what that sounded like. I think it says a lot about the Conservative Party of Canada. They're they're choosing to constantly attack independent media organizations, journalists who are working hard to keep Canadians informed and support our democracy. CBC Radio-Canada serves right across the country, delivers local news and local content in many regions of the country, that yes, has been challenged over the past years, but the idea of adding to that challenges and laying on by attacking this Canadian institution, attacking the culture and local content that is so important to so many Canadians, uh, really indicates uh, the values and the approach that Mr. Polyev is putting forward. Well, we have another update to probably the biggest story in Canada right now. People are absolutely freaking out about this. They're either very angry and upset that Elon Musk would call CBC accurately government-funded media, or they think it's the funniest thing that's happened in about a decade. Of course, now CBC is having a bit of a temper tantrum and they're getting off of social media, or at least Twitter for now. But you have to wonder if their boycott will actually achieve anything other than to further plummet their readership. Lindsay, what's your take? Yeah, I mean... On a personal level, I find it amusing. Um, but you're right, it, it is a temper tantrum for them to kind of have a fit and leave Twitter. And it it almost does have a certain partisanship to it because it was, you know, the conservatives pushing for the CBC on Twitter to have this label of government-funded media. And when that was applied, um, they rage quit. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like CBC is making this a partisan issue. And sure, you know, Pierre Polyev did call for... Twitter to apply the label. 
The label was already being applied to other outlets, international outlets that received government funding, such as NPR in the States and a handful of other outlets as well. So if we actually look at this, Twitter is being very consistent in how it's applying this label. And as I said last week, I figured it was only a matter of time before CBC got the label as well. Of course, now one of the more hilarious updates to the story is that Twitter released a statement basically condemning this move on Twitter's part and saying that they're only partly government funded, less than 70% government funded. And so, of course, Elon Musk went and applied a new label to Twitter, updated the existing label to say that they are 69% funded by the government. So this whole story has taken a rather hilarious spin to it. I think it's a funny issue. I don't have any issue with the label being applied. You know, Twitter is a private company. They can do as they wish with their platform. But it is funny to see partisans being in uproar now that it seems like the playing fields are being a little bit leveled when it comes to media. Of course, another question to ask is how long will this really last? Once Bill C-11 and Bill C-18 are passed, are we going to see things trend back in the other direction of independent media organizations being targeted and finding it harder to grow their platforms online? Yes, Canadians definitely still need to be concerned for Bill C-11. But yeah, in the meantime, we have this this funny story and that, you know, 69% government funded media label. I don't see it going away anytime soon. So it might be there for a while. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Days after criticizing Alberta Premier Daniel Smith for limiting reporters to one question per media availability, Alberta NDP leader Rachel Notley had security kick out at least two reporters from her Monday afternoon press conference. The counter-signal editor-in-chief, Kian Bexty, was removed from Notley's announcement after attending to question the opposition leader about her candidate's history of defund the police rhetoric. Bexty said he's accredited by the Alberta legislature and Notley is, quote, lying about basic facts to avoid answering questions with substance. Rebel News reporter Alex Dollywall was also removed from the announcement. On Friday, Smith said she would be limiting reporters to one question to get through more during the provincial leadership race. In response, Alberta NDP candidate Irfan Sabir said Smith can't, quote, run away from Albertan's questions about, quote, the chaos and corruption in her government. Notley also took to Twitter to criticize the UCP leader, saying Albertans deserve a leader that listens and takes your questions. Rachel, what's your take on Notley kicking out two reporters from conservative media outlets? Yeah, again, this is another really hilarious story. I guess we have a bit of a more lighthearted day today, which I am absolutely game for. The news cycle has been pretty heavy lately. But this is just absolutely brutal look. This is a brutal look on Rachel Notley's part because she made such a big stink about Danielle Smith saying that she was going to be limiting questions to just one question per reporter. As you probably likely know, reporters are traditionally given one question and then one follow-up. However, most reporters use the follow-up to ask about something 
entirely unrelated, a different topic. Not all the time. Sometimes they will challenge the premier on the answer she gave. But most often they change the channel, ask about something else. You know, then you can get two news articles out of a story over just one per se. But in this instance, Rachel Notley decided that Danielle Smith limiting questions to just one per reporter was her hill to die on. She's been going on and on about this for weeks, even before the premier officially said she was just going to be taking one question. She's been attacking Daniel Smith for not taking enough questions from media, saying, calling her a failed premier. And then the day before this press conference, Notley releases a statement saying, I will take media questions as I have done for 15 years as an MLA, nearly nine years as an Alberta NDP leader, four years as premier and four years as opposition leader. So she's just virtue signaling all the way and of course the left just love that she tweeted this out they were like wow it's so amazing that she's saying this it's so sad that she has to say this and then the very first thing that happens when her press conference starts is she calls security on a reporter who attended she actually had key and bexley dragged out and a rebel news reporter as you know somehow the western standard another conservative media outlet in canada particularly focused here in alberta as you can probably tell by the name was not asked to leave the press conference I'm not sure what happened there. I'm wondering if Notley and her team just didn't recognize the reporter that was there. It was actually a columnist, so they might not have been familiar with his face. But he was able to stay, which was great, because then he was able to sort of question the NDP leader on, you know, why she's been removing conservative media outlets and she's even removed them from their emailing list. So where, for example, True North doesn't receive any of the NDP emails. So It just goes to show that she's really only willing to talk to a certain set of people. She's only willing to take questions from reporters that she thinks are going to ask easy and favorable questions. But the really sad thing about it is that these reporters do represent millions of Albertans. They represent, you know, millions of Canadians. And by not allowing to take their question, Rachel Notley, who is running for premier, is basically saying, I don't want to engage with Albertans that have a different opinion than me or then might challenge my actions. So it's a very funny story, but maybe with a bit of sad undertones when you look at what she's actually saying to people, especially to conservative Albertans. Yeah, and I think some further context is um, Kian Bexty attended a press conference um, just several days ago featuring Calgary Mayor Giotti Gondek, and he asked her about her defund the police voting record while she's been in office. And there was a viral video where Gondek is just kind of staring blankly at the podium after being asked the question. Um, and then she walks away because she was asked, you know, with in, in light of this public safety crisis, have you just realized that you need the police and you can't just defund the police? So, yeah, she she stares blankly and then just walks away from the podium. So um, it looks like maybe Notley was trying to avoid that kind of situation happening again. Absolutely. And the left has just decided that this is going to be their new tactic when dealing with media that they don't like. It's actually really embarrassing. It's really shameful. I think it shows a lack of media skills on their part. Leaders like Danielle Smith and Pierre Polyev are asked biased questions by the media all the time. Arguably, Bexie's question to Gondek at that first press conference that you just mentioned, it was very charged, was a difficult question. It was set up to make her look foolish. A political leader with experience and who knows how to handle media would have been able to answer that question in an expert way that would have enabled them to sort of get out of answering it wrong or answering it in a way that they're admitting that they've made a mistake. But obviously she lacks those media skills as Calgary's mayor. I think that Danielle Smith has had a hard time with the media. Perhaps that's why she's limiting questions to just one per reporter. 
But I think when we look at conservative leaders, Pierre Polyev is offering a different and for many conservatives refreshing approach in how he deals with media. He's really able to answer those biased questions and he's not condoning any wrongdoing even when the questions are sort of set up to make it look like he's done something wrong. And he's really able to point out the flaws and the errors and the inconsistencies in legacy media questions. So I think that this is going to be an approach that we can expect to see from the liberal media. I think this is an approach we can expect to see from liberal politicians. Hopefully at some point they will do the hard thing and actually learn how to handle the media as conservative politicians have been forced to for probably the last decade, if not more. The Public Servants Alliance of Canada, or PSAC, the union representing over 150,000 federal workers, is calling a strike on Wednesday morning if no deal is reached with the government by 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time today. PSAC represents roughly 35,000 workers at the Canada Revenue Agency and 120,000 employees in a variety of departments, including tradespeople, teachers, firefighters, employment insurance, and immigration workers. National PSAC President Chris Aylward said Monday morning that the union and the federal government had made progress over the last few weeks, but still have major disagreements that have not been addressed, such as wages and remote work. The union is looking for a 13.5% raise over three years for Treasury Board employees, and 20.5% over three years, plus an immediate 9% adjustment for tax workers. A spokesperson for the CRA said there is no plan to extend the deadline for Canadians who still need to file their taxes. If a strike occurs, Canadians can expect serious delays and longer wait times in the last weeks before the deadline, especially those filed on paper. Well, I think this says just about everything we need to know about our public civil service. At the end here, it says the CRA has no plans to extend the deadline for Canadians, even while Canadians can expect delays for their own tax returns. I think that is absolutely shameful. Unfortunately, I have a bit of a bias when it comes to this story. I'm actually going to owe money on my taxes this year. So this is great news for me. I'm hoping I have a bit of a delay in owing the money. But at the end of the day, I'm still going to owe the money. Lindsay, what's your take on this? Yeah, I mean... When I heard there were there were rumblings of a strike happening, I I filed my taxes very early on, like in in March, just so I would avoid this scenario. Um, I mean, as we talked about last week, the PSAC president, Chris Aylward, is saying that um, the average wage of the employees in his union is about forty thousand to sixty thousand dollars a year. So that could elicit some sympathy from us. However, the average wage of a federal public servant is about $125,000, and Canadian taxpayers are paying $30 billion more than they were in 2019. So just in four years, we've been paying $30 billion more for these government employees, which is really, really astronomical. It's also interesting when we look at who's asking for the raise. So it's for Treasury Board employees and for tax workers. I think when we last discussed the wages for workers, the lower end, the 40000 per year, was not for those workers. I think it was for more of the labor workers, probably the, the tradespeople and things like that. Janitors, I believe, was discussed. So I'm not sure how much, it doesn't sound like this strike is going to impact across all areas of PSAC. One of the things that I also thought was kind of funny about the story is one of the major disagreements that they're still looking to address is remote work. Um, in a CBC story from earlier today, it says that PSAC is requiring its members, including remote workers, to show up in person to picket locations across the country to qualify for strike pay 
and avoid, quote, fines and suspension of membership privileges. So even though some of these workers are upset because they've been working remotely and they might live very far away from a picket location, now they're actually going to have to show up in person every day for four hours to strike as long as the strike lasts. So it doesn't seem like they are really benefiting from this at this point. Luckily, you know, it's spring. It's actually really nice weather. Four hours a day is really not that long. It doesn't actually seem like the worst way to spend a bit of time. Okay, guys, that's all we have for you today. Don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media. You can do that over at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening and have a great day.